0: You can find out more on my website, com backslash finding-home. Welcome, friend. Do you find yourself with an empty nest and a faded vision? Then you're in the right place. God still has a calling and mission for us in the second half of our lives. Because you know what? We're not done yet. So join me, Susan Macias, author, speaker, and empty nest mom, And let's explore how our family, our church, and our world needs us. Hey friends, welcome to episode 14. Today's episode is sponsored by my book, Unceasing a Parents Guide to Conquer Worry and Pray with Power, available on Amazon. You know what? Whatever second half calling we have, I guarantee you one of them is to pray, is to pray powerfully, mightily, consistently, unceasingly over those generations that are coming behind us. And if you hear that and you go, great, I don't even know where to begin, I invite you to purchase the book. It's available on Amazon. Also a great idea for those moms in your life who are struggling with their prayer life um, as a Christmas gift can you believe that Christmas is upon us? I mean, I can't. Um, I don't even know how it's going to play out in 2020. I have an opportunity to have my entire family, all of my kids and their families for Christmas. But in these days of COVID, you have to hold everything with an open hand because we just don't know what's going to happen. But as we walk into this Christmas, I want to do it with an open heart. Thinking about Christmas, I'm starting a new three part series today that we are looking at Elizabeth in the book of Luke. She's the perfect for this podcast because she got her call late in life when she thought all such possibilities were gone. Today's title is Answering God's Call When I'm Not Enough. Because you know what? I really struggle with sitting in being not enough. And as I think that and concentrate on those negative thoughts, I find it hard to hear, much less answer God's call. At this end of life's road, I find myself looking back. I have regret. I see where I failed, where I dropped the ball, where I didn't do enough, where my own talents or abilities failed to equal my dreams. Sometimes I feel like I've failed the Lord. I haven't accomplished all the things He put on my heart. I've been working on a novel for five years but the idea came over 25 years ago. I don't even know if I'll ever finish it. I'm not done with that novel yet. Maybe that's where the, the name of this podcast came from. We're not done yet. I consistently need that reminder in my own life. But as I sit there in my own frustration, I'm really struck by the, the words in Revelation 3.8. This is what Christ is saying to the church. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut because, because why? Because you're amazing? No, this is what scripture says. Because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. That word power can also be translated strength or might. It wasn't that they had a lot of power, but just a little bit. In the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew 6, 13, part of what he says is, Do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's God's power. We're not meant to be strong enough. Why do I always forget that? It's his power, not mine. Okay, so we're going to look in Luke 1. At a a great illustration of this point. It's the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. I'm going to read to you out of Luke 1 5 through 7. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But They had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. They lived for Yahweh. They wanted to serve him with their lives. But let me ask you, what is your but, your however? They had no child. Barrenness was a great sorrow to the people that, I mean, it's a great sorrow now. It's a great sorrow to any couple that experiences that. But think about the sorrow when you're living amongst a people whose promise is that they would number the stars, and you're doing nothing to contribute to the the number of those stars. And in practicality, in those days, your children were your retirement fund. I'm going to read to you a little bit from um, this commentator that I love. His name is Alexander McLaren, and he was a British pastor, um, lived at the turn of the last century. I discovered him on Bible Hub, which is a great website to go if you want to do some in-depth study. And they have a tab that says commentaries, and that's where I discovered Alexander. And I decided that maybe in heaven, we're going to sit down and have some tea and talk because this man, I just love his work. Listen to this quote of his. Seek to cultivate a buoyant, joyous sense of the crowded kindnesses of God in your daily life. Isn't that amazing? I don't think I have a sense of the crowded kindnesses of God, but that is my fault for being blind to them. And I, I love that quote. I'll put that in the show notes. If you should go back and read it again because that's a one that you can really chew on for a while. Okay, but listen to what he says about our godly elderly, barren couple. And remember, as I'm reading this, we're thinking about our own places of barrenness or not enoughness. This is McLaren's words. They were not thereby hindered from walking in all God's commandments and ordinances blameless. Let us learn that unfulfilled wishes are not to clog our devotion, nor to silence our prayers, nor to slacken our running the race set before us. Isn't that amazing? Think about what is your unfulfilled wish. Just just think of it in your head, name it. Maybe there's three or four or 12 or 55, but think about unfulfilled wishes. Those should not clog your devotion, nor silence your prayers, nor slacken your running the race set before you. I'm really struck by that. Zechariah, we find in the scripture has gone to minister by himself in the temple. He didn't live in Jerusalem where the temple was. He lived in a village outside, but he was a part of the tribe of Levi, as also was Elizabeth. And he would go at predetermined times. There was divided the work, and so different priests would show up at different times to do the work. Of the priests that showed up, one person was selected by lot, by chance, by chance, Um, was selected to go in to light the incense. It was only one that got to do it. It It was a huge honor for it to happen, and it fell to him. But he goes in, and there's an angel there. That is not what normally happens. And he gets this amazing news, but he doubts. And I don't really blame him. I get it feel too old for some of the things I've prayed for for a long time. In fact, I've stopped praying for some things, assuming I'm just too late. But listen to this angel. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth." McLaren says of this, blessings may come today as the result of old prayers which have almost passed from our memory and our hope. I mean, when we hear that Zechariah and Elizabeth are advanced in years, that means they were past childbearing age. I doubt they were still praying for their child to be born, to be conceived in them. And yet, the prayers they had prayed through their lifetime weren't wasted. What hope has died for you? Where is there not enough of you to go around? What feels barren? Might that be the exact place that God is calling you to? They're going to have an impossible baby, and they're to name him John. John means the Lord is gracious. There was another barren dad and a two-old wife who had a son back in Genesis. Later on, God, in a foretaste of what God was willing to do in sacrificing his son, commands Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And you read that and you think, what? What in the world is that? Why would Abraham be willing to do that? Romans gives us some insight on that. Romans 4 goes through this whole part about how Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac. And in verse 17, it tells us why. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God, in whom Abraham believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Abraham was willing to sacrifice because he believed that God could give life to the dead. He could bring Isaac back to life, or he could bring into existence something that doesn't even exist. Why? Because it wasn't about Abraham's power. It's not about our power. We have little power. But what feels dead in you? Remember that question? What did you hope for that has never existed? Those things are not out of God's hand, and it's not too late for them. When we keep His Word and don't deny His name, like in Revelation— or when we're like Elizabeth and we walk in his statutes in our measly little ability to do that, he can set an open door in front of us and do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we'd ever ask. Okay, so we know Zechariah doubts. He becomes mute as a result. So let's look though at our example of Elizabeth. How does she respond? We're going to jump down to Luke Chapter one, still verse 24 through 25. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. I mean, she lived holy and blameless in her life, but that does not mean she didn't live in the light of others' judgment. Her whole married life, barrenness was seen as a curse. What if the worst part of ourselves, the thing we'd most want to change, or where we receive the most condemnation, is just a platform for Jesus to do His best work? She cultivates her holy secret. When it says she keeps herself hidden, it means she didn't tell anybody about this baby. She praises God's name. She gives Him the credit. It's amazing. She is about to have this baby in a direct answer to prayers she had even probably ceased praying. Next week, we'll look at what we're to do when God calls us to do the impossible. But for now, I want to emphasize the point. We're never enough for God's call. It is His power that accomplishes anything. For now, let's take our cue from Elizabeth. And let's praise the Lord for the things that He is calling us to do in the second half of life. And I want to do that with you right now by reading Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Listen to that. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Sister, we don't have to be enough. We just need to answer his call. Thanks for joining me today. Check out my website, susankmassias.com, to find more encouragement and to be empowered toward taking your next step. Connect with me on Facebook or Instagram at Susan K. Macias. If you enjoyed the podcast, would you please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or whatever platform you listen on? Subscribe and share it with a friend who needs some encouragement to pursue God's call. And what about you? What's Jesus calling you to do? Be brave. Take a baby step. Do the next thing. Because you're not done yet.